Uh, Lord willing, Adam will be bringing the messages on Wednesday night. And, um, and I got, we're kind of getting June set up for, it's pretty much going to be all guys from our church uh, preaching or teaching. So we don't have any, um, I tried to get a few guest speakers and it just fell through. And so <clears throat> we're going to have our guys preaching and teaching. And then uh, in July, we'll have uh, Chad Wells, missionary to New Guinea. His family will be with us on a Sunday night. And then in the second Sunday of um, August, there's a young missionary single guy that's going to India. Uh, I think he's in his late 20s. And he is zero, like he's laser beam focused on going there. And uh, I'm impressed with some of his uh, preparation and the work he's already done. And he's going to be with us, Lord willing, on, I think it's August 8th. So I'll have some other guest speakers coming along. But, all right, so let's look here in Psalm 71. And let's read this. I'll read it out loud. Just follow along here, the sentiments of the psalmist here. And then we'll go back through some of it and consider what he's saying. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. Thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By Thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art He that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of Thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but Thou art my refuge. Let my mouth be filled with Thy praise and with Thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? Thou, which hast showed me great and sore troubles, shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. 
This is great. Again, the, the psalmist clearly through this chapter is expressing trust to God. He's expressing it. And he's uh, praying to God. And he's telling his plans and uh, how he's going to praise God. Um, you know, and he's doing it especially in the fact that it appears that he's in an older age. He says, now, he says, don't forsake me when I'm old. And then later on he says, now also I am old. Uh, now that I'm, when I'm, I'm old and, and uh, I'm aged, so help me, God. And so he's a little bit um, concerned as he ages, as he's aging, he's concerned about his relationship with God. Um, he recalls how his relationship with God was when he was younger. And we're going to look at some of that. You know, it, um, it's interesting uh, thinking about aging. Um, you know, when you're young, you look forward to getting older. And when you're older, you think about when you're younger, you know. And here, this psalmist is, is uh, thinking, well, I am older. Now, how, how's this going to work, God? Are we still got this, uh, you still going to take care of me here? He's kind of like that. He was feeling it out. You know, there was, it reminds me of there's this lady I read about. She was a woman in her 80s. She was bedridden. She was in a nursing home. And she had had other preachers come visit her, and she has these questions for them. And one of the questions, some of the questions were like this. You know, why am I like this here? I'm in this, uh, I'm in this nursing home. Um, I've been a Christian for years. I've served God for years. Um, I taught Sunday school. I sang in the choir. I brought up my kids as Christians. Now look at me. Can you tell me why I'm like this, preacher? And different preachers will say, well, one thing and well, another, you know, and they try to kind of explain it. Some of them say, I just don't know. And so another preacher came to visit her, and she's again, 80 years old, bedridden in the nursing home, and she's kind of bemoaning her scenario. And I'm not saying it's easy to get older or easy to have aches and pains. I'm not saying that. But she's saying this, like, why me, why me? And so she goes through her routine with this one preacher that comes in. She says, look, I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me? Why am I here like this? I've been a Christian for years. I've, um, I served God pretty much most of my life. I taught in Sunday school, sang in choir, attended church. I brought my kids up as Christians. And uh, now look at me. Can you tell me why I'm here like this? And to her surprise, the preacher answered, says, yes, I can. And he was being sincere and gentle, and he took her by the hand, and he just gently said, old age. As if we're exempt from that. You know, we're, we're, all, we're all headed toward old age. And some of us, it's going to be more squeaky and creaky and, you know, clunky than others, but we're all headed toward it. And we live in a sin-tainted world, and we're prone to diabetes and disease and cancer, and we're prone to uh, unseen accidents, too, all sorts of stuff. And now the psalmist feels, this lady is a little insecure, the psalmist feels a little insecure, and there's just things that happen as you get older, you know, there are more doctor's visits, more things that, like, how come hair's growing here now? It's not growing here, but it's growing here. This isn't right, you know. It shouldn't be growing there, you know. <laughs> Or things like that. that's for guys, sorry. I hope it's not for ladies. But anyways, uh, you know, and Bob Devine, I was talking to him one time. And I was calling him. I hadn't seen him. And I was like, hey, Bob, how's it going? He had gone to something with the doctor, had some things done. And I think he had to have like a, you know, a mole or something taken care of or whatever. It was. Maybe some skin cancer. And 
And I was like, yeah, I said, I've got to watch. I've got something I, you know, on the side of my face and my cheek. I've got to watch it. That's why I kind of shaved on the sides here, keeping an eye on my skin. He goes, yeah, he goes, you know, you got to scrape the barnacles off the ship, you know. <laughs> Those old ships. Some of you, you, know, you see the under the water line on these boats, there's barnacles. You got to scrape them off. He goes, that's how we get. I was like, okay. Try to keep scraping them. So here's the psalmist. He, he's, he's getting older, but he wants to learn to trust God, and he's, he's expressing trust to God. We are to practice trust to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to do it with all our heart, and don't trust yourself. In all your ways, every way, all the ways of your life, acknowledge Him. Every path you take, acknowledge God on each of those paths, and He'll direct your paths. And uh, curse is he that trusted in his own heart. The Bible says, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 and 5, in such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. This is the aged experienced Apostle Paul. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Paul said that he was trusting God, even though he was an experienced and Bible scholar and all these things. So here's the question about this text that I think can be answered. What is he trusting God about? Sounds a little vague to say trust God. What? About what? And so I've, I got seven observations. We went through a few of them last week. And, and we'll just uh, we'll take our time to go through these. I'll review a couple and then we'll go through a few more and have to see if the Lord would have us to continue this next another Wednesday that I come back. So what are the... Okay, so here's, here's the points. We see that he's trusting God to banish confusion. Uh, he's trusting God to, uh, to be a continual resort. We'll see he's trusting God to bring relief from cruel people. We see in this chapter as we go along, we see that he's trusting God to be to him just like he was to him when he was a youth, when he was a child. Number five, he's trusting God to not cast him off in his old age. Number six, he's trusting God to cause renewal, cause quickening in his life again. Number seven, he's trusting God to comfort him. So let's, say, let, let's consider these verses again in the point, and I'll review these first few that we had already looked at. Look at verse one and two. We see he's trusting God to banish confusion. Uh, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. If we had, uh, let's say, oh, let's see. Let, has anybody ever gone, jumped out of a plane with, and parachuted out? Parachute, anybody parachute out of a plane? Yeah, nobody in here? I know one, somebody who wants to. She's wanting me to sign off on it, although she's 18 now, so it doesn't matter. Uh, all right, does anybody want to try to jump out of a plane and pull the cord? Okay, all right. All right, how many want a backup shoot? Anybody want a backup shoot? All right, okay. You want a net? Ah, that's exactly, exactly. me too. Yeah, I don't know how much it'd do if you're going that fast, but... You know, if you're jumping out, if you're getting all ready for that, you put on the parachute and you're going to jump out of the plane, and they've all trained you beforehand, and you've watched the video and did the thing, and you're probably maybe strapped to somebody, I don't know, but say you're going by yourself this time, and you got the parachute and you jump out of the plane, and, and you go to pull the cord, and it's, it doesn't give way, you're going, why? <laughs> now what do I do? Swim through the air and try to find a... Ocean to land in? I don't know. You know, you, you, you'd be confounded. You'd be confused. I, I, they showed me on the diagram, so you pull it this way, and it should get, and you'd be disappointed, right? How about that? How about anybody? You'd be more disappointed. You'd be dead. 
Disappointed than dead. How about, does anybody notice the, in an airplane the escape doors? All right, do you kind of like purposely, anybody purposely pay attention to where it's at? All right. Some of us have flying, flown so many times, we're like, I know where it's at anyways, and I already know all the routine that they're saying. Okay, so if something happened and you go to, you know, say they have to land on the water or there's a fire or something happens and you have to get out and you go to hit the door, you go to hit the, the bar or the, the, the latch thing and, it, and, and drop it out and it doesn't do it, you'd be like, what? They showed me how I did it. This lady did her little routine and showed you how you go like this and I'm supposed to look at the diagram and everything and, and it didn't work. You trusted that it would work and it didn't work. You trust that <laughs> the cord would pull and it didn't and you died. And, uh, how about if you, anybody ever had to dial 911? You did? Okay. I have had to do it. It's an embarrassing story. All right. What if you were to dial 911 and they don't answer? <laughs> or they, they're not really help to you? You'd be like, wait a second, I called. I'm not getting any help. You'd be confounded. You'd be confused. You'd be let down. You'd be disappointed. You'd be dismayed. The psalmist is saying, Lord, I'm trusting you. Let me never pull the cord and the chute not come up. Let me never push the escape uh, latch and not get out. Let me never call on you and you not answer. Let me never be put to confusion. That's what he's saying. God, I'm depending, I'm banking everything on you. That's what he's saying. He's trusting God to banish all confusion as it relates to being let down for his trust in him. That's what he's saying. Number two, he's saying he's trusting God to be a continual resort. Verse three, be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. Anybody ever had an actual resort? I think I asked this last week. Anybody have a favorite resort? It's not, I'm not assuming like we all go to resorts all the time. I'm not making that assumption, but like, was there ever, anybody have a nice resort you went to? Like, this was pretty cool. Yeah, where? South Mountain, the... The point. It's not the one by Diablo Stadium, is it? No. It's oh, it's the one? On okay. All right. Anybody else have one? Will. Oh, cool. Cool. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Nice little resort there. Yeah. Good. That's good. And we, my wife and I were married and went to the Buttes. Isn't that what it's called, babe? The Buttes, right there by Diablo Stadium. That was nice. Went to the Boulders a few years ago, over there in like Cave Creek or something. And there's just a bunch of boulders around there, and it's nice, but it's nice. Well, when we were in Hawaii, uh, we, had, we got to, I don't remember where we stayed, but somebody paid the church that I was attending at the time, and I got to preach at, there was somebody in the church said, I'm going to pay for one night. Was it one night or two? One night at this Waikiki, what was that? It was like the night, one of the nicest ones on Waikiki Beach, but we got one night there. That was nice. It was like at the very top, well, it's next to the, whoever's the very top, we're right under them. That was really nice. That was really nice. And uh, I couldn't continually resort there. <laughs> That would have been expensive, right? I couldn't continually resort in Hawaii as it is. My, Michael and Australia just got back from, 
I think it's Kauai. Is that the sm one of the smaller ones? Kauai? What's the... He said he could drive the whole thing in an hour. Yeah. Anyways, I just got back from that today. He loves it. You know, it's nice to go to a retreat like that, to a resort, to a hotel. You can't continually do that. It's expensive. But the psalmist says, God, let me continually resort to you. And he's assuming he can always just fall apart on God and kick off his shoes and say, God, that's it. Or, you know, just be himself and continually resort and that God's going to be his strong habitation. That's what he says. He's trusting God to be his strong habitation. And do we do that? Do we trust God to be our resort, our strong habitation? All right, so um, number three, we see he's trusting God to bring relief from cruel people. Look at verse four. He's trusting God for this. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. The word cruel here, that's an interesting Hebrew word. Sometimes this word cruel is sometimes translated sour, bitter. Sometimes it's translated. It's, in other words, it has a picturesque or a, a taste image there to you or sense. From the mean person, the cruel man, the bitter person. Lord, deliver me. Give me some relief from these people that are abusive, harsh, sadistic to others without cause. You ever see people that are just mean without cause to somebody? Mean without cause. David says, Lord, just give me some relief from that. And he's trusting God for it. Number four, he's trusting God to be to him. I think this is where we left off. To be to him just as he was when he was a child. Verses five through seven. Look what it says there. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Ever since I was young, I trusted you. I, I depended on you. Verse 6, Even by thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I don't know, if the, again, if this is David. If, let's presume it's David. Maybe David's mother had a hard labor, hard caring. I don't know. Maybe her life was at stake. I don't know. And he's like, you're the one that, that, that got me out of that. <laughs> Thou art he that did deliver me out of my mother's womb. Holding up from my mother's womb, took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall continually be of thee. And then he says, verse 7, I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Now that would be like David. People were fascinated with David even as a youth. Look at this guy. This 15-year-old kid slays this giant. All these big shot men in the Israeli army wouldn't go against him. And here's this little pimpled face, squeaky voice, teenager in Israel, go and take up this giant. Wow, that's a wonder. Perhaps they're speaking of David, whom has a wonder unto many. David's saying, but he's like, it wasn't me. It's just, you're my refuge. You're my, what does he say? I'm as a wonder unto many, but thou art my refuge. The, the, the secret of anything good in me is, the, is you. You're my refuge. But what he's saying is, again, verse 5, thou art my hope for my youth. Thou art my trust. Thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust for my youth. It's good time... Listen to this, guys, uh, guys, girls, young guys and girls. It's a good time to learn to trust God now. And not just say, yeah, I trusted Jesus. I know I'm saved and I prayed sinner's prayer and I'm saved. But it's, a good, it's good to learn faith now in your youth. Learning to trust God now in your youth. You know, learn to tithe now. 
Learn to do something you can't do now. I feel sorry for you if you only do things that you can do. Uh, I'm talking to the young people. Do, try to do things you, it, that are hard to do and trust God in it. I remember, you know what helped me trust God in my youth? Sports and stupidity. That is, sports and school, because I was not that smart. But when I played sports, I was like, okay, I want to do good on this. And I took it seriously. Helped me have a prayer life. Yep. It's not a bad thing. It's like, I want to play good. I want to do good. I don't want to be a bum. I want to be a help to the team. I prayed all year one time, God, help me to get a home run. Help me to get a home run. I was fast, but I couldn't hit really far, you know, in baseball. And it was ninth, I think it was in eighth or ninth grade. I was praying, God, help me get home. I was keeping on my stats, my statistics of how many stolen bases, singles, doubles, no triples, singles, doubles, stolen bases, walks, hits, RBIs, runs, home runs, zero. Ah, strikeouts, of course. And I was keeping my own stats. God, help me get home. And, I, and I'd pray before each one of my games, and, and, I, and I'd pray after a while. I was praying, God, help me get a home run. Finally, I got a home run. I, hit, I think I was playing in East Mesa. I think we used like Shepherd Junior High or something out there. And I hit that ball, and it got knocked around kind of in the corner of the... It was probably right field because I'm a lefty. Got knocked around the corner. And I just, when I hit that ball, I started running and running and running and running. He, I don't know if he fumbled it or it just started bouncing to the side of the fence. And, but I kept running, and I don't know if I just told myself to keep running or I couldn't even remember if I had a third base coach. It didn't matter. If he was going like this, I was going to go all the way around. I just kept running and running and running to third base, ran and slid into home, inside the park home run. You know? I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> I didn't hit it over the fence, but I got an inside the park home run. And so, you know, uh, little things like that, I, I was like, thank you, God. You know, it, it, you know, protection for different scenarios where I was afraid of mean people. Thou art my trust from my youth. Big bullies. Um, again, back to playing sports, you know, even um, wrestling. Um, times when I didn't have as many friends. Those times I didn't have as many friends, and God used this church as an answer to that prayer when I became friends with my, who later became my brother-in-law. I prayed. I was learning to trust God from my youth. Um, School, you know, physics class, I did algebra, algebra 2, geometry, it started getting a little tough. Then physics class in Mesa High, high school, I was like, oh, Newton, I gotta read this guy. I started reading him, I thought, he's not too bad, I think he might be a Christian. You know, but still, it's kind of tough on me. And I had all these other guys, these guys that are really, I'm in AP chemistry whoop de doo you can't change a tire in your car, though. I can, you know. <laughs> That's kind of how I thought I was trying to make kind of, that was a little prideful, but, you know, I was just thinking that way. But uh, I remember thinking, man, I'm just not that sharp like some of these guys uh, as far as the, the academics and stuff. So, I was, you know, I prayed my way through school and trying to do better. It was trust, thou art my trust from my youth, learning how to work when my dad taught me our, our trade. You know, I, I'm working on cars that are expensive. They're street rods and old cars and classic cars, and I didn't want to mess them up. So here's what I'm saying by all this. Those experiences um, of 
15, 14, 15, 16-year-old teenager learning to trust God in a sport, in Algebra 2, in physics class, having no friends for a while, uh, all these different things, learning to trust God, the intensity in that practice is the same foot. It established a footing and a habit that I still have now. I have to have that same teenager faith in God from my youth. God, you're my trust from my youth. I'm trusting you just like when I was a pimple-faced, squeaky-voiced teenager right now. It's the same. The psalmist is saying, God, be to me like you were when I was in my youth. He was a, perhaps he felt a little insecure, which goes on to the next point. He says, God, don't cast me off. He's trusting God, He's trusting God not to cast him off in his old age. Verses 9 through 18 is more lengthy. He starts out, verse 9, and then verse 18 refers to his old age. Okay? Verse 9, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. And he goes on to describe how his enemies think that he's strategically vulnerable. And he said, God, don't let them get me. You let them be confounded. And then he goes on to say, verse 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. Hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, forsake me not until I've showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Um, He's saying, you know, our physique sometimes is cast off and depleted, but our faith does not need to be. I'm going to read this to you, and we'll try to wrap this up. Um, A woman, there's a a preacher named J. Robertson McQuilk, and I I like him. There's some things I've learned from him in his some of his biographical material. He was a missionary to Japan for a certain year, number of years, and then he became the president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary back east. But listen to what this, he, he was dealing with a lady. It was a woman who was facing the trials of growing old, and she asked McQuilkin when he was a missionary, she said, quote, why does God let us get old and weak? McQuilkin thought a moment and then replied, Quote, listen to this. I think God has planned the strength and beauty of youth to be physical. But the strength and beauty of old age is spiritual. We gradually, use, we gradually lose strength and beauty that is temporary, so we'll be sure to concentrate on the strength and beauty that is forever. And so we'll be eager to leave the temporary, deteriorating part of us and be truly homesick for our eternal home. If we stayed young and strong and beautiful, we might never want to leave. <laughs> and that, there's, there's some truth to that. Um, but the psalmist is saying, God, um, I'm getting older. And so I think it's, trying his, it's making his focus on having to exercise faith more. And he's trusting God not to forsake him in his old age. So sometimes we think, you know, there, there, there comes a point where um, I've watched this in people. I've watched this in other Christians. Like sometimes I've watched Christian, in particular Christian men, where I see them and they're younger and older. And sometimes I've seen where some older Christian men have had their greatest trials of faith as they got older. And that sometimes just happens. And But God is there for us at all ages. One man said we... God wants us to accept joyfully each season of life, young or old, 
Whatever our age, he has asked us to commit our way to him and accept the struggles of those stages. And he allows strength, pardon me, accept the struggle, and he allows along with the strength he provides in those stages of life. So I think that's a good way to summarize our time. Let's go ahead and stop right here.